Hello, and welcome to the Real Talk with Tamara podcast. I'm Tamara, a photographer and creative director for beauty, wellness, and lifestyle brands and professionals, and your host of Real Talk with Tamara. So this podcast covers actionable, down-to-earth business and lifestyle advice for creative entrepreneurs who aspire to make an impact in their communities while keeping it real, of course. A little housekeeping before we get into it. Please follow or subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. And comments are currency, so please leave a comment. You may just get a shout out on an upcoming episode. Hey y'all, so I'm really excited for this episode because I've invited a lovely guest who's going to talk shop about one of my favorite things, selling and sales coaching. This conversation is going to be with the lovely Allison Davis. So I met Allison at the Create Cultivate Small Business Summit last October while in line for breakfast. I just really loved her suit and struck up a conversation and now here we are. So selling is definitely a skill that can be cultivated and honestly is a non-negotiable in any business. But before we get into the episode, here's a little bit more about Allison. Allison Davis is a creative and thoughtful sales leader who brings a deep sense of curiosity and integrity to her work. After 16 years in the publishing industry, Allison transitioned to sales training and consulting for companies and six and seven figure mission driven entrepreneurs who are changing the world. She believes in a consultative and heart based approach to selling, which is being authentic while building relationships, and she does so with the Align Method. She's brought her energy and empathetic sales acumen to companies like National Geographic, Time Out North America, and the Gabrielle Bernstein. And speaking of Gabby Bernstein, Allison handled brand sponsorships, Gabby's affiliate program, and other sales projects. So without further ado, let's get into this episode. Hi, Allison. Good morning. Hey, good morning. Yes, good oh, morning. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Oh, <laughs> we're so busy. We don't even know what time it is. It's a shame. <laughs> Um, how are you today? Oh, I'm doing well. I'm so happy to be here. Your podcasts um, have been a real highlight of my week the last few weeks. I'm so I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much. That that means a lot for sure. We're talking about one of my favorite topics, which is selling. <laughs> Before we really get into it, I would love it if you can just share with the audience um, your past experience. Um, and how that translated into offering effective sales coaching for mission-driven entrepreneurs who want to make six and seven figures in that. Wow. <laughs> um, I, I didn't start out knowing that that's what I wanted to do. I actually spent 15 years in media sales. So from selling small indie media newspapers in Burlington, Vermont, um, to uh, you know, kind of climbing up the ladder, I guess, and working at global brands like National Geographic and working with big clients like Average Farm and Google. Um, I didn't, I didn't know about this amazing world of entrepreneurship and people who are mission based and and leaving their jobs and starting their own things. Um, at some point, I got a little bit of uh, wanderlust. I got a little fatigued, and I, I, on a whim, went to NYU and took their coaching program. And what I learned there is that I didn't want to be a life coach, was no good at it. <laughs> but I saw so many, like you say, mission-driven um, entrepreneurs who were ready to go out and make a difference in the world. And they had no idea how to get clients. They had no idea how to build business. 
And I thought, well, wait a second, you know, I can use uh, my, my sales prowess to actually help affect change in the world without me going out and doing that coaching myself. Um, so here we are five years later, and um, I finally broke free of, of corporate life and living the dream, really helping entrepreneurs, um, not unlike you and me, do more of what they do best. Yeah. And how would you say the transition was from media sales to sales coaching? So I know you mentioned you realized uh, you were not meant to be a life coach. Like that was not your ministry. So like how, how did it go from media sales to, I think I want to do life coaching to no, actually my secret sauce is sales coaching. Was that a difficult transition or did you realize that there were transferable skills that related to selling? Yeah. The transferable skills were not a problem. The making a huge leap of faith away from uh, a, a steady paycheck and health insurance, that wasn't as graceful as I may have liked. And it. <laughs> it took a couple of years, um, but um, I got really lucky. I was introduced to Gabby Bernstein, you know, who is a New York Times bestselling author and has a really wonderful business helping people with a lot of online products and speaking gigs and things like that. I, one thing I, I learned from her that I, I consistently share with my clients who still have jobs is you are your own venture capitalist. This mm. is not a drag. This is, you know, you can't go to work every day hating your life. You're not going to grow anything mm -hmm. prosperous from there. Mm -hmm. You are funding your dream right now by, by going to work every day. And so I did that for a good two, three years, um, doing sales projects on the side for her and her company really learning the difference between, I was selling business to business, right? As we hear B2B mm -hmm. and Gabby and her company, she's selling B to C directly to consumer. I learned a lot about that um, and, and how things need to adapt and change in the selling process to really care for a consumer and a heartfelt sale. And um, a couple of years into it, I, I got really lucky and Gabby gave me a soft place to land if I took that and I was able to work in her company for a number of months and soften and soften that landing. Um, and, and the rest is history. So the skills were transferable. The terror was, you know, <laughs> was ever present there for a few years. Yeah. Not, and not to go off on a tangent, but what would you say, do you feel like what was greater? And I think I know the answer because you are an entrepreneur, but <laughs> What was the greater risk, kind of like staying where you were or, you know, jumping and saying, you know what, I'm going to figure this out? Because I think a lot of times there are probably a lot of people who are listening to this while the content is for entrepreneurs. I also anticipate that there are women who are maybe considering transitioning from a full time to a part time and freelancing. And they're like, yeah, but these bills. <laughs> totally. And so what, what would you say was the greater risk? The greater risk was staying where I was. And, um, you know, there, there's a, some famous quote I read yesterday that I can't recall exactly word for word. But basically, if you have a calling in your heart, it's coming for you. You can't escape it. It's going to come. And uh, I can't believe you're, you're getting me to like go this intimate with you this quickly, but uh, I fought it, you know, even after I left corporate, I, um, I worked with some oh, amazing entrepreneurs and I will not lie to you. I was pretending I was an employee for them. 
I was not running my own business. Honestly, it's only been in this last year that I finally was like, listen, I need, I, I, we were talking about this. I'm a Gemini. I need excitement. I need adventure. I need multiple clients. Um, you know, and I want to get paid, right? It's like, we, we want to, we want to step into our worth and value and I wasn't doing it. So how does this relate back to the question you asked me? You know, I tried to hide from entrepreneurship even when I was an entrepreneur. And guess what? It came knocking at the door. You can't, you can't hide from it. It's a greater risk to stay where you are. However, keep that in mind. You are your own venture capitalist. Do not cut yourself off at the knees. Be safe and be strong in it. Strategize your exit. Know when it's the right time to leave. Allison, that was so good. <laughs> I get people to open up really quickly. You do. I'm like, oh God, you know, it's like, it's, it was who hiding, you know, hiding from entrepreneurship is a thing. And I was doing it for a while and enough's enough. Thank you for sharing that because yeah. sometimes you can be in entrepreneurship and still be treating yourself like an employee and don't even realize it mm -hmm. no um, because, doubt. because you're afraid, which is real. Like that is a, that is a honest emotion is a real emotion but you you have to you have to look past it it's it's speechless i think every entrepreneur under, understands this there is just it's just something that goes off in your brain that's like okay this has to work like i have to do this regardless of the fear that i am experiencing even if it's something that you're experiencing every day you know you eat what you kill essentially yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why every sales metaphor I ever learned was either about hunting, eating what you kill, or a war reference. You know, isn't it boots, crazy? Yeah, it's great. Boots on the ground, guns blazing. Like, oh my god, we need some more feminine, lovely. Um, and I, I think that's why women are so uncomfortable with selling because it definitely sell sounds like a very masculine thing, which leads me to the next question. As you and I both know, selling is a contact sport. So, you know, that means that we have to have some skin in this game in order to sell. I hear a lot from other business owners that they don't get a lot of leads or Instagram rather isn't working for me, but there's so much that Instagram can do, right? So what is one thing that you see entrepreneurs get wrong when looking for their ideal clients or drumming up new business? And aside from knowing who their ideal clients are, which is another issue in and of itself. Yes. Assuming we know who our ideal client is and that they're ready to work with us and we just have to go, as you say, go hunt them, right? Um, the issue I see is exactly what you just said, is if you're a one-trick pony when it comes to prospecting, that's the proper selling term, right? Finding clients or prospecting new business. If you're a one-trick pony, you're, that well is going to run dry. So if you're sitting back and, and, and you are only relying on social media or your email list, um, or what I see a lot is women who are pretty successful, but it's only from referrals. Mm. And that's all good. Like, I mean, please give me a business where I just need to sit back and people are referring me and I'm, and I'm all booked up. That's okay. I'm not mad at that. If you're making what you want and it's the ideal clients and you're doing what you love, amen, God bless, like keep going. However, the women I work with are really ambitious and they have ideas for new programs or they want to double the amount of revenue. And that's where they get stuck. If you're resting on your laurels, waiting for a referral or waiting for somebody to slide into your DMs that wants to give you money, that's not going to happen. 
That's a very reactive, passive stance. And I spend all of my days transitioning women into a proactive stance around prospecting. There's a great book. It was the first sales book I ever read, honestly, sadly. that I was like, okay, I kind of jive with this guy. His name is Michael Port. The book is called Book Yourself Solid. I have to give him credit because his prospecting outlook is one that I adopt for myself and one that I share with clients. And here's what it is. <laughs> Social media and digital and referrals are only two areas that we should be prospecting in consistently. The others are networking, thought leadership, direct outreach, <laughs> right? Which we need to talk about the dreaded cold calling. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the fact remains like diversification in all of these different prospecting areas and consistency is what is going to change the game from reactive to proactive, from sitting back waiting for business to going out and getting that business. You know, you're doing a great job with this, right? Thought leadership for you, amazing. Uh, you're, you're here with this podcast, you're making connections, you're building your brand, you're serving your audience. That's going to convert to business with a little strategy wrapped around it, right? You are an expert networker because as you have, I think, shared with the audience, we met because we were in line somewhere and you were like, hey, nice suit. Who are you? Right? You're doing it. And so you're working in these prospecting buckets. It's super important that we are really actively building business using everything that we have. Now, last point I want to make here, you're going to be better at some of these things than others. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. You must rely on your strengths. A good salesperson does not look like me. Uh, which is pretty much like a buffoon. He'll talk to anyone who's loud and gregarious and like whatever. That doesn't have to be what sales looks like. Sales can be research, thoughtful outreach, creating partnerships with people who are going to pass you business and good referral relationships. It can be quiet. It can be introverted. It's just you need to find your ways to work in these different prospecting areas so that you can really build the kind of revenue you want. Thank you so much for that very thoughtful answer and also adding the fact that you don't have to do every technique to be considered a great sales person because someone hearing this before you gave that disclosure yeah could probably say oh my god more things that i have to do in my business i can't take it and things i don't like and aren't good at yeah right Wait, I got to say this to you. Yes. Hear this. On every sales team I was ever on, I did okay. I was always near the top. But the person who beat me out every time was quiet as a church mouse and the most unassuming salesperson you ever met. Because her quiet consistency was always, it, it trumped my loud craziness all the time. Thank you for that too. When I coach you know, other photographers and service providers, I always say to them, their call to action for a potential client or sale is to get on the call, ask for the sale. So would you, would you agree with that adage? And you can disagree, like, you know, we're friends here. Um, but would you agree that jumping on the call to make the sale is like one of the more effective ways of making the sale? Yes. Hands down, absolutely yes. Uh, when I'm selling, I want to use as many senses as I can possibly use, right? If you're just DMing or if you're emailing and you're kind of hiding behind that, um, you're really putting yourself at a disadvantage. I want to hear that potential client. I want to see them if I can. 
even if it's on a Zoom, you know, uh, screen. And this kind of gets into, I know an area we wanted to, to speak to is like, yes, I want you to get on a call and I want you to ask for the sale, but I want to make sure, and I'm, I'm sure you would agree, that there's some, there's some good work to be done before we get to that last bit of asking for that sale. Absolutely. Right? And it's, it's like we, we want to get on that call because it's a conversation. And if you're writing back and forth, that's not a conversation. Right? It's like a one-way communication, and that's not okay. We need to have a conversation because the most important bit, if you hear nothing else from me, the most important thing when you get on that call or when you have that sales conversation is to help the client understand the gap, the distance between where they stand today and where they want to be in the future. I know this is something you talk about as well. Mm -hmm. That is the most important part because if your client doesn't understand the pain that they're in, if they can't articulate that, if they don't know the consequence of staying stuck, they are not motivated to invest in helping themselves. So your job on that call is not to haul out a whiteboard on the screen behind you and say all the things that you're going to do for them and talk, 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 talk. It's the 80-20 rule. 80% is them talking, you listening, right? And you want to make sure that they're really understanding the consequences of inaction, what's not working for them, what are their biggest desires and what do they really want this to look like. And from there, when you talk about your services and your offerings, you directly tie it back to their hearts, what they need, what they desire. And that is a much more powerful position. Every aspect of your, of your selling technique, which we'll get to in, in a sec, um, is important in closing the sale. So I guess let's, let's talk about what your sales approach is, because the follow-up question to that was going to be, which one is the most important and what you have just shared, which is the transformation. So like mm -hmm. explaining the transformation to the client, like, what exactly, like, how am I going to be the bridge between your pain points and what you're going to be transformed into once I solve this problem or this gap for you? So I would love for you to kind of go into your sales approach that makes selling more intuitive and heart-based, especially for women entrepreneurs. Yeah, yeah. It, it can be really intimidating to hop on these calls. Even I, you know, my heart beats faster. I might break into a little sweat. Uh, it, it's, it's a big deal. You, we have deals riding, riding on these conversations. We have our revenue riding on these conversations. And so I, I really get that. And when I thought about how do I want to teach people who don't have 15 years of selling experience and a really thick skin, you know, how to have these conversations, I knew it was important that it, it come from a real place of partnership, right? You know, if you think about so many of my sales meetings over the years were me on one side of a boardroom table and the client on the other. And I actually have a little visualization before I get on any sales call or go into any room. It's like, even if we stay on opposite sides of the table, that visualization is me reaching across and scooting that person's chair around to sit next. Metaphorically, that's what I want to do. I want to be sitting next to you. We are working on your problems together. And so how do we do that? You know, the approach that I've come up with is a five-step way of having these conversations, and I call it ALIGN. That's an acronym, right? A-L-I-G-N. And that's very deliberate. We're not selling. We're not convincing. We're not talk, talk, talking, you know, use car salesman-like. We really are aligning with people. We get to discover 
um, if we're a good fit to work together, if you know, it's a two way street, right? They might not be your ideal client. You might get a really weird vibe and think, I don't want to spend the next X amount of months working with this person and that's okay. Right? So we want to align with them, align on their pain points, align on their dreams and see where we net out. Speaking of pain points, let's talk about that briefly. Since, mm-hmm. since we've talked about pain points and transformation, um, because I posted something on IG recently about my experience, like what I did to take, you know, my business from making eight grand in product photography to then like seeing a four hundred eight and eight percent increase in two years. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I said was I really honed in on my my potential client or my client's pain points. And someone asked, what are exactly your pain points? And so I said to her, to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think, I think we'll be on the same page. But <laughs> I said, you know, pain points are the issues that your ideal client has that your service or product solves or resolves for them. So meaning what you just said, like a few moments ago, your service should be the bridge between their issues and their transformation. With that being said, like how does someone actually learn what their potential clients' pain points are? Yes. Okay, great. We are getting into action and I love it. Yes. So the most important way you're kicking off a sales call or a sales conversation is the A and the L of a line. And that is asking questions and listening for those pain points. And so I'll give you a couple examples and I'd love to hear yours as well, you know, to have a couple good kickoff questions that are your go-to questions. I'll always say, so what makes right now a good time to consider a sales coach? You know, what's going on? What's going well? What could be going better? How about you? What do you, do you have like questions you typically ask? I don't, you know, my clients, they are just ready to just share. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to pick, yeah, you don't have to give them an opening or a prompt. They no, just, I, you know, there's, there's one thing that I start every single one of my calls with. And actually, this is something that my sales coach shared with me that has allowed me to convert a lot of my calls. I like to start all of my calls with a similar introduction, which is, Hi. Hi, Allison. How are you? I am so happy that we got on this call. I really appreciate your time. I know our discovery call is scheduled for about 15 to 20 minutes. And so I definitely want to respect your time. So I would love to just hear, you know, what's happening in your business and let me see how I can help. Perfect. Except I'm going to, I'm going to take you to town on something. Let's do it. I got a question for you. <laughs> How are you, do you think that you can get to the deep pain points and a trans and, and sort of have a transfer transformational conversation in 15 to 20 minutes? Are you able to do that? Yes. That's amazing. I need at least 45 minutes. I need, <laughs> I don't know, maybe you've noticed I like to talk a lot. So it, it, do I, it's not, why I have a podcast. That right, right. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I have, I will share this with you and I, I love being in conversation around this um, because certainly being able to have 20 minute discovery calls would be a lot more efficient, but um, my calls are typically 45 minutes because I like to take 20, 25 minutes to really get to those pain points because someone may say, you know, to me, they'll say, you know, my revenue is just not where I want it to be. Mm-hmm. And it's really easy for me to then be like, okay, cool. Cool. Revenue is not where you want it to be. Okay. And tell me about how much time you're spending in your business and like move on. Right. 
But here's the thing. There's a technique called peeling the onion. And what happens when we peel an onion? We get more tears, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And so if someone says, my revenue is not where I want it to be, I'll say, tell me more about that. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. So you you missed your goal by 50%. What does that mean? How much longer can you go on like this? Mm -hmm. What are you not doing because you don't have enough money? Are, you know, and, and this is where the real pain lives. And this is where real motivation to invest and make a change reside. I'm not picking on you. I'm just saying, you know, if- no, I, I think that's really good. So the, I think also it depends on industry too, regardless of how much money you're investing, you're still investing in someone or something. I think part of it works to my advantage and I'm probably sharing some <laughs> industry stuff whatever, I don't care. I have curated my social media, right? In a way that reflects my core values, which I talk about in another episode, um, how to develop your brand voice. And one of my core values is transparency. When I am on social media, I try to be as transparent as possible, just about how I work in business, the, the pain points that I experience growing this business. And so I think that, and my clients can probably disagree with me or not, but I think that once we get on the call, because of the transparency that they have seen online and also on the website, that by the time that we get on the call, they're just ready to say, you know, I'm running this business myself. I understand that I need content on a consistent basis and I just don't have the time to do it. You know, and I know it's really important. I know content creation is important and it's just hard finding someone that I can trust to develop photography for us because you're not here. Like we're not in the same city. You know, 70% of my clients aren't even based in the DMV area. So it takes a lot of trust for them to confide in someone that may live, you know, a thousand miles away. You know, my furthest client lives in Bermuda. So wow. there's no way that she can come down the block and, and see what's going on. So I, I think because the transparency has already been, like that foundation has already been built, that person's already pretty comfortable. Now, I will say this. When I am on the call, sometimes I feel like I don't get enough information. And so mm-hmm. that is when I start asking questions that are a little bit deeper, like what's going on now? You know, I noticed, like I'm looking on your Instagram and I noticed that you have photography. Do you mind telling me how that experience was just so that I know for myself, just to make sure that I'm the right fit. So I'll ask those deeper questions to see, you know, what happened before you jumped on a call with me, if you hired someone else, you know what I mean? Yes. What I'm hearing you say, and it's, it's such an interesting point. I'm so glad you're raising it is that depending on what the customer journey is and what, and how they got on the call, can really determine how much time you need and what you need to get out of that conversation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it would be, and, and I think there's a, there's a, a huge overarching point to be made here, which is that there's no strict right or wrong way, but I will say, treat it like a playground, right? Mm-hmm. A-B test things, try one way, try another to see what works best. For you, it might be, hey, look, if, if you've been following me for a while and I kind of know who you are, we might need less time. If I just met you at an event I went to up in New York and you want to hop on a sales call, I might want to make that 30 to 45 minutes because you need need some discovery about me. Mm -hmm. So I love that. Yeah. Depending on who the customer is and how they came to you might have different needs. 
Yeah. I think you do a great job in particular of seeing opportunity. Not, not, you know, it's, it's a skill you can learn or it's a skill you're born with, you know, there's different ways to come about it, but I think you have a real knack for um, meeting someone or seeing a situation and seeing the opportunity in it. And, and that's huge. Um, and I, I like to share the 50, 50 rule of networking, which is when you're working in that networking bucket in that area of prospecting, 50% of your time should be spent, you know, proverbially shaking hands with people who could be your client. And the other 50% are like you and I, really good colleagues, mm-hmm. people who are going to look out for each other and send opportunity to one another. Mm-hmm. So 50-50 rule is a really good way to slice up that time. Mm-hmm. We did not anticipate this becoming. <laughs> <laughs> We're already out of time. We have- We're already, already out of time. God damn it. <laughs> We have a few more questions. This is just a this is just a really great conversation because it's selling taught in a way that just makes it more relatable and understandable. And also to have two people use sales or selling in their businesses to really hear the similarities and also the differences, i.e. like amount of time, you yeah. know, like on calls. Because I think while the approach ridiculously transferable across every industry, like if you want to sell effectively you have to sell from the perspective of the client and making that emotional, that heart connection. But the way that you get to it, it can be different. It doesn't have to be, be the same. So I'm, I'm very happy in this personal sales coach conversation that we're just recording for the podcast. I love it. Yes, exactly. (laughs) There's one thing I know that you shared when we weren't on the call, you talked about features and benefits because this is something actually that I had to learn myself. Mm. You say something, features tell and benefits sell. Yes. So can you just expound a little bit more about that? Because again, this is something like, oh, features. So for example, you know, high-res imagery, access to a client portal, but that should tell, that just tells half the story. So I would love to hear, hear you expound on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Too many entrepreneurs, um, you know, that I'm, I'm, I'm seeing their sales pages, I'm listening to them maybe sell from the stage or on their sales calls if I'm auditing them, scary, right? Uh, listening in. Um, they're really focused on the details, the features of what they're offering. You know, I, I think as a real life example, we just got a new mattress. It's king size, half of it is springs, half of it is foam, and I can return it in 90 days. Who cares? I don't care about any of those details. That, that is like in one ear and out the other. What I care about is having a good night's sleep so I can serve my clients better tomorrow. Waking up with no back pain and feeling free and happy and joy that I'm not in pain, right? Feeling safe and secure that I can invest this money and know that if it doesn't work out, I can get it back. Those are the benefits. Those are the results. My back doesn't hurt. I get a good night's sleep and I feel really safe in my investment. That's amazing. You know, so people who have, say, like a, a group coaching program or something, and, and it's like a three-month program, you get some one-on-one calls, you get weekly group, you get a workbook, you get a private Facebook group. Who cares, right? It's like, those are the details. I want to know what it's going to do for me. What am I going to get on the other side? What am I going to experience? And the trick that I share with all of my clients is when you're writing out, you know, whatever you think is sales language, I want you to make sure you're asking the question and answering it so that you can what, right? A private Facebook group. Great. So that you can create lifelong lasting friendship, right? 
or I'll try to give you a better example here, monthly one-on-one -on -one calls so that you can what, right? So that you can get the personal attention you need to make actual change. So you got to think of those benefits. And if those are not on your sales pages, if you are not sharing those words when you're on stage, you've got to reconfigure it. So good. That drills the point home. So pretty much it's like, don't just say what the feature is because a lot of people, they get really stuck on where they're getting all of this stuff, but why does it matter? Exactly. Why does it matter? And, and listen, there's going to be somebody listening who's like, oh no, all of my people want to know every gosh darn detail and how many minutes they're getting with me and this and that. And that's true. There are different buyer types out there, just like yeah. there are different types of adult learning and, and all that jazz. And you can go down a really cool rabbit hole if you're nerdy like me and you want to learn about that. Yep. But the first thing that sells is the benefits and the results. That's what gets people's attention. And for your friend who reached out on social media and was like, you know, tell me more about these pain points. Like, I want to like, like the record scratch, like, Rrr. okay, if you've created an offer and you're not sure what your pain points of your, of your ideal clients are, we got to like slow your roll, take a breath and like really figure out what those are so that you can teach feature the right benefits. <laughs> Pun intended. Pun intended. <laughs> Perfect explanation. When you're selling a feature, you need to have a benefit attached to yeah, it. So that you can what? Why is it important? Because listen, I've fallen victim to this myself. Um, in my corporate days, you know, if you're trying to win a big advertising campaign from a big client mm -hmm. and their budget is $200,000, you're going to put everything but the kitchen sink into that proposal to make it look like they're getting a lot of value. But sometimes you can just be full of hot air and you don't want to do that because today's yeah. consumer is more discerning than ever. And if it's her own wallet she's pulling money out of, you better know so that you can what to every single thing you're offering her or she's going to smell it on you and it's not cute. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> be real. Offer real value. No fluff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Okay. This is such a good conversation. Like we can talk about this literally for, I know these were great questions, like an hour or two hours, <laughs> any last advice on selling and also how people can begin asking for the sale. Yes. Okay. This is so great. I'm going to tackle asking for the sale first. Listen, yeah. if you handle a sales conversation correctly, right where you have done most of the listening, you've really gotten to the core problem, you have shared how you've worked with others um, to combat the same issues and win, right? Um, you're vibing, you're on the same page. It's so important for you to do a couple of things. One is talk about price, even if it's a ballpark. So, you know, some of us are, some of us have nuanced offers. You know, there's not one price for everything. Sometimes you do need to submit a proposal and I'm in that boat. But what you'll hear me say in a, at the end of a call is so, Hey, you know, you always ask permission to say, can I let you know how I work with people? Would you be interested to hear, get their permission, get their yes. Talk about, then take that 20% right of the call and talk about what you do. And then you want to say something like, I'll just make random numbers up here. But so typically this work would cost anywhere between 15 and $20,000. Are we in the right ballpark? Or, you know, typically this would be around $5,000 to work with me for three months. Are, are we driving there? And you have to do that because if you're way off on price, 
first of all, don't waste your time sending a proposal or getting your hopes up or putting her in your pipeline because it's probably not going to happen, right? But most importantly, she may have a fear or an objection that comes up at that moment. And my God, you want to be there to hold her hand through it. You don't want to send your pricing later in an email so she's all alone in her dark fears around investing in herself. Be there for her, right? If she gets real quiet, say something easy like, um, so what, what are you thinking about that price? What's coming up for you? Talk it out. Do not be afraid. Stand in your truth and value. And then ask him for the sale. Listen, it's not rocket science. I usually say something like, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I would love to work with you. I have an opening next week. Can I go ahead and get you signed on? That's it. There's nothing magical. This was really good in terms of selling and speaking to her pain points and closing the sale. But sometimes when we are on calls, we may hear objections. So are there any common, maybe one or two, you know, common objections that you may hear on a call and how can we remove that objection? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, first of all, let's all take a collective breath and know that no matter how awesome we are, uh, people will find objections, right? Because investing in oneself or investing in your business, it gets scary for people. So just know that objections will come up and it doesn't mean you're bad or wrong, right? It's, it's mostly to do with them. And here's the deal. You can't fight or overcome someone else's objection. I'm gonna say that again. You cannot overcome someone's objection for them. Uh, they've gotta do it, right? And so what, what you don't do is sit in a convincing posture. That is not the time to convince. If someone says, ooh, that's a little more money than I thought it was gonna be. Or if someone says, ooh, I'm finishing grad school and I have a new baby and, 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 and I'm not sure I have the time. You don't go into convincing like, well, no, I think it is the time to do it because I'm having a sale and this and that. That's, that's, not, that's not what you do, right? You have to give them a little room to sit in their fear and in their objection and hear this. This is another reason you must get to the pain points. You must really understand what's going on and you must understand the consequences for her if she doesn't move forward. Because in a very loving, non-gross way, you can say, I hear that, you know, and maybe I can work with you a little on timing or a little on price even. But, you know, something I heard you say earlier is that if you don't fix this issue, if you don't get your branding right, you're really worried you're not going to make your goals and you're going to have to go back to your full-time job. And I don't want that for you. I mean, you know, so I don't, that's just a little bit of a random example, but do you see how I'm not convincing? I'm not talking about myself and how great I am and how good the service is. I'm reflecting back to her what she said she needed to do and why. Mm -hmm. And so we need to sit with her in, in her grappling and be there for her as she moves through this decision-making. Another objection you'll hear a lot is, um, I really need to run this by my partner, right? I don't make this kind of investment without running it by my partner. And guess what? You can't say anything to that. You may have opinions about whose money is what money and what you get to do, but you, you can't do anything to that. But here's what I train my clients to do in that moment to say, yeah, I totally get that. Um, what do you think she's going to say? Or what do you think they're going to say? And engage in a conversation to prepare that person to be in a confident place when she goes to that partner, right? 
what do you think she or he's going to need to hear in order uh, to get on board with you and support this investment? Do you need to see anything from me? Do you want me to get on a call with your partner? We could do, we can have a follow-up with your partner. Do you, does your partner like to read things? Do they like to see things? I can send testimonials. I can send my deck. Help that person prepare for that conversation. That was so good. I, I'm just nodding my head like. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I could go on for it. You know, it's like, the, these are the moments when we can start to feel a little um, sleazy, mm -hmm. right? We're not in the business of convincing. We are in the business of holding space for the person to make the best decision for herself. But it doesn't mean you can't reflect back to her what she said to hold her accountable to her own integrity. And it doesn't mean that you can't say, well, I want to be on this journey with you. What do you need to make this decision? And by when would you like to make this decision? Let's not have sales processes that last seven weeks, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Second to last question, because you kind of said something, when? So when? You know, a, a great sale is when you are getting their card information over the phone or whatever. But obviously contracts and things of that nature um, need to be signed, etc. I had a sales call on Thursday of last week. I'm going to invest in something for my business. I gave her a yes on Friday. It's Tuesday midday and we don't, I don't have a contract. I don't have next steps. And I reached out to some friends via text today to say, hey, do you know anybody else who does this? Because I'm not feeling it get on the ball, you know, like you, you got to do that. And, and, and listen, I want to have compassion here because there's for some people, and I've been here myself, the fear of success can be paralyzing. Mm -hmm. When someone says, yes, we, this little imposter syndrome voice, this upper limit problem, we can sabotage. So I'm not trying to make light or make fun or criticize. Like the other side of the coin is I really do get it. But my God, just, you know, step into your value and worth. People want to work with you, have something really important. Get them the paperwork. Just do it. Just do it. Like, do, <laughs> and guess what? Automate it. Get a virtual assistant. Do, you know, like know thyself. If you know you get tripped up in sending the paperwork because your mind's playing tricks on you or whatever the story is, get someone else to do that shit for you. You know? As far as my final thoughts, it really, I know it's easier said than done, but here's the deal. If you're making the sales process about you, about your fears, about your unworthiness, about your um, anxiety, about saying numbers and your pricing, that's selfish, folks. That's not of service. You're making it about you. And, and that's not what we're all here to do. We are here to serve. So actually stepping into your value, into your truth, into your pricing, sticking around for the objection, not hiding from it, that is true service, true service. And I got to say one more thing. A lot of us are serving women and I hate a stereotype, but we all know there's a little bit of truth sometimes to these things. It is hard for us women sometimes to invest in ourselves. We, we will invest in our family. We will invest in in our friends or in charities or anything else that's not putting a focus on us. And so the reason to ask for the sale in these conversations is because if, if you've really talked about pain points, you've talked about her dreams, she is never closer to yes than she is in that moment. Do not say, okay, great. This has been a good conversation. I'm going to put it all together in an email. You can think about it and let me know. BS. 
you have made a real connection with her, you ask her. If you want her to be your client and you want to serve her and you want to help her, you ask to do that. If she says no, that's okay. All right, I'm preaching now. <laughs> Girl, take me to church. <laughs> oh God, I really truly believe we got to take the focus off of us in these calls and just make it about them. Curiosity is the antidote to self-doubt. If you are sitting and spinning in your own fears and anxiety as you're, you know, in a sales conversation, just get curious about the other person. That's it. You know, and and I will I will end on this last point. I remember working for the container store. After a year of working there, was uh, given the training to design closets. You know, closets can range from you know, $300 to fifteen, dollars $30,000. $30, One of the things that they taught us in training is that you cannot sell with your own pocketbook in mind. Mm-hmm. Correct. You cannot make the assumption that, you know, you're going to design this amazing closet, but let me remove some of these features because it's going to be too expensive. That's going to lower their trust in you and also your credibility. And then they're not going to buy. Yep. Amen. And yes, correct. Abundance, (laughs) whatever you got to do, whatever you got to do to feel abundant, the minute you walk into a sales conversation, do it. Mm -hmm. Whatever that looks like for you. Mm -hmm. Allison, this was an amazing call. This was so good. I am so thrilled to be connected with you and to watch you grow and do all the good you're doing in the world. Anything I can ever do to help. Thank you so, so much. I'm, I'm so excited for everyone to listen to this and also hear you. So with that being said, how can people find you online? Yes. Um, well, <laughs> do as I say, not as I do. Number one, <laughs> uh, the best way to find me these days is just allison-davis.com. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you again so much, Allison. I really, really appreciate it so, so much. And I will see you on the gram. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks, Tamara. And on that note, this wraps up another edition of Real Talk with Tamara. Real talk for real women. If you like what you've heard, please share with Reckless Abandon. And don't forget to follow on iTunes or Spotify so you don't miss out on the next episode. Until next time, remember to grind with grace and love Peace and do you, boo.